What's up, everyone? It is your hostess with the mostest, DJ Shannon, and welcome to episode 27 of Club Management. Before we get into the meat of the episode, I just wanted to say thank you so much. Today marks our one-year anniversary, and I'm so proud of myself for putting in an incredible amount of consistency and bringing these stories to you, and I hope that you enjoy them as much as I do. Another shameless plug, I have a YouTube channel now that I'm using as an extension to the show to tell more incredible stories, and you actually get to see footage of me and all the incredible guests that I've invited. So please head over to my new YouTube channel at DJ Shannon. That is the letter D, J, and then my name, Shannon, S-H-A-N-N-O-N. And I have a link to that in the comments below. So go subscribe, like, and comment on my YouTube channel. What's up, everyone? It's your girl, DJ Shannon, here for another episode of Club Management. I want to thank you guys so much for supporting this venture because I honestly was a little bit shy about (laughs) starting a YouTube channel, but I see so many people have liked and comment and shared uh, the past couple of episodes. So thank you so much for that. Keep sharing, keep liking at DJ Shannon because I've got more stuff about creativity, music, and chatter coming up on the channel. If you'd like to listen to the podcast too, please do. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. Just type club management. So for today's show, I'm super excited. We have filmmaker and director Stacey Lee, who's going to be premiering her first feature-length documentary called Underplayed at this year's Toronto International Film Festival. It can't be because I'm a woman, that's why you're not giving me these opportunities. But then it always proved to be that situation. Why haven't women done it? Well, they have done it all along, but they've been invisible. The film features established superstars like Toki Monster, Anna Leneau, and Alice in Wonderland. It also welcomes some really cool underground talent like DJ Sherelle and the incredible Tiger Paw, who we've had the pleasure of having on the podcast before. Stacy made some time for me in her really, really busy schedule to talk about her inspiration and work on the film. And guess what? The film is streaming right now on the Toronto International Film Festival's website. So you can go check it out after the interview. Hope you enjoy. Nice to see you. You look so beautiful. You look so happy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. I just went I swim in the ocean, so that helps. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, so you're located out on the West Coast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. I, lived, I lived in New York for a long time. Um, I, I was there for, yeah, seven years and then came out to California, kind of by accident, to be honest. Um, you know what it's like escaping a New York winter mm-hmm. and um, just house at a house. And then next thing you know, I've more permanently living in a house. And nice. yeah, here I am. <laughs> nice. And what a great place to be amidst all of this craziness happening. Um, you know, I've been starting out a lot of my interviews asking folks, just how are you feeling? Um, how are you feeling spiritually, mentally? Are you, you know, keeping, yeah, just keeping up with what's going on with life? Yeah, I mean, it, there's a, a lot of mental burden, I think, for everybody right now. Um, you know, I feel very grateful. Um, I'm in a position where, you know, I am about to premiere a film, you know, and I feel very, um, 
just so fortunate, you know, like I know everyone, I know the handbrake has come up on every industry and everybody's life. And um, to have a moment right now where I'm uh, able to have such a kind of a sense of, um, I guess, career fulfillment in a way, um, and to get a project out in the world that I've been working on for, you know, years. Yeah. Um, feels very lucky <laughs> given the <laughs> circumstances and all the forces at play trying to stop things like this from happening. So yeah, I'm, I'm mentally, um, uh, Hold feel, on one feel I'm just going to have you stop because New York is, you know, obviously interrupting everything in the background. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't worry. When we did the interviews for in New York for the film, it was mayhem. It was like every two seconds, someone would just get on a flow of something and be like, oh, ah, the sound guy. Like, I'd just be giving him dagger stares, being like, dude. Definitely a, a loud place. But yeah, I'm so excited. When I saw Tiger Pop post the trailer for Underplayed, I just got so overwhelmed with joy and like literally a little tear just kind of trickled down my face because these stories are real, you know, and these are real experiences that happen in the industry, not only in music, but in other industries as well. Um, and yeah, being a woman can be tough. Before we talk about underplayed i want to talk about um some of your other documentaries uh live fast draw young and the documentary that you did on disc woman which i thought was incredible um it really seems as though art and music tends to be the centerfold for your stories i'm interested to hear what's your fascination for music and the arts and um how are you able to make people really open up on screen because you bring such a level of humanity to your stories that you almost feel like you know these people you know right off the bat thank you no that's like one of the, that's the greatest compliment I could get to be honest because um to answer maybe the second question first um humanity and and the feeling of being able to connect with people for me is the most important thing I can do with my work you know I, I came come from New Zealand um I spent my entire, you know, first half of my life looking up at everything that was going on and people and all these movements, you know, like we learn about everything, you know, via the news or secondhand or obviously the internet's faster and, and connectivity is much greater now. Um, but, you know, I, I've always had an incredible fascination with the world and the world around me and particularly people in their stories. And, um, maybe it's also having this accent being a Kiwi and the fact that I'm like, I'm the last person people expect to be asking, you know, questions or, you know, whatever it is that I can, it's quite disarming maybe for people to, <laughs> to talk yeah. to me, but they don't, maybe don't expect it to go anywhere or to do anything. Um, but connecting with, connecting with people on, um, a very primal personal level is the most important thing that I think um, you can do with the film, you know, and for me, it's a huge part of my process before I even turn a camera on or, I mean, no one is about to tell you their most vulnerable, deepest feelings. Yeah. If you knock on their door and put a giant camera in their face, that's never going to be the, the recipe for success, you know, and I've always, approach filmmaking like I would a friendship you know mm. you have a few phone calls you get to know someone first um 
you don't even bring any technological equipment into a space until you've like sat down, had a cup of tea, like, you know what I mean? Like had a um, relatable human experience with somebody first, because otherwise it's, um, there's a, there's a transactionary feeling about it that can take place. And I, I certainly don't want that. And, um, sometimes it's can be easier with certain people and sometimes it takes a lot longer, you know, even right. those techniques can be difficult because the moment you bring a camera in or you, you know, have someone mic'd up or doing any of those things, I think people automatically, it's, it's not normal, you know, <laughs> like completely understandable. Um, so I just try and create an environment, especially when the cameras are there and you're, and you're on set where it's very, very minimal. It's normally just myself. Uh, the camera person and sometimes I even make the sound person just hide in another room Mm. you know what I mean because the less people that you have in a space um, and the the kind of intimacy you create in that initial environment to start talking to somebody is really important I also do a lot of like on the fly things so like um, in the back of a car I'll just start rolling, you know, because you, I always find that like when you're in this environment where you're like sitting down and you're talking to someone, it's like, you, you know, you don't have somewhere to put your energy maybe. Right. But if you're in a car, people look out the window, they get maybe a little bit more philosophical about how things are. So that's kind of like, I'm just basically giving you my tips and tricks on <laughs> getting people to open up. But that's, there's just things like that, like trying to bring um just the 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 feeling and the the that you have in a space it also comes down to the people you choose to work with you know like i choose to work with people who have a very calm grounding energy you know someone walking in trying to be all like you know razzle dazzle show off their things and just be such a big presence in a room is is terrible you know what i mean like it this isn't about that we're it's a privilege to be a filmmaker it's a privilege to be in someone's space Mm. and so like going in with a, like a gentle kind of footprint and approach is like the most important thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the second, that's the second part. And that's like just something I'm always evolving and thinking about. And as it pertains to making of this film, you know, I did months and months and months of phone calls and research and all that before I even began to like start think about shooting this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that went a long way a in kind of like disseminating exactly what I wanted to be focusing on and talking about and also finding similarities and overlaps between people's experiences and stories mm. that enabled me to have a more organic conversation because I could bring in this sense of relatability. Oh, so-and-so, you know, thought about this. Have you experienced that? And there's this, suddenly you start making connections and, you know, this feeling of isolation that so many of us experience in the creative mm. field you suddenly aren't so alone anymore, you know? Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. And then um, what was the first question? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, I kind of forgot myself. Why why music? Yeah, why music? Well, I I guess two things. I'm a a dancer in my life. I've always had dance as a huge part of my um, kind of maybe – getting my working my shit out if you know what I mean so I think I've always been drawn to whether it's actually the more professional um structured side of dance or whether it's actually going out dancing and and releasing so I feel like me personally have a very strong connection to music because of that 
Um, but also too, because music is so progressive and music is, is a space where culture is infused in so many different sorts of ways. And everything's disseminated, like politics is social issues. Everything comes through music. And it's also the one thing that we can kind of all connect on right. as well. Mm-hmm. So even though we, whatever backgrounds and all the rest of it. So over and over again, I find it as a, as a medium mm-hmm. in which I can find endless amounts of stories. You know what I mean? They're just, it's, there's always something um, interesting and maybe digestible, you know, talking about inequality or gender inequality just in its own silo can be quite like, if I was talking about in the realm of like, um, the tech industry or something like that, it just might not have the same feeling. Whereas <laughs> if I'm talking about the realm of music, it's something that we are like, oh, wow, okay, so I'm only hearing, you know, a certain percentage of the kinds of music that I could be hearing. Mm-hmm. And people actually feel like a little bit in- impacted by that. Like, oh, I'm not hearing the full spectrum of sounds and music and styles because I'm um, not not all the populations getting access to create to be right. a part of this process so it. yeah that's kind of a very long-winded way of explaining <laughs> my passion with music <laughs> no, that's okay. it's beautiful um you had mentioned how all these different stories with an underplayed kind of connect between one another i'm surprised at how you were able to take all those stories and actually break them into, you know, smaller segments within the, the whole framework of the film. How did you find time to speak to all of these people and make it happen? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, look, it's, the reality is, is, you know, you make the film and you look back and you think, Oh, I should have done this more. I could have done this. Mm. I, felt such an extreme sense of pressure in telling the story, not only to be fundamentally true to the artists and their spirit and their story and where they are within the industry space, but also the complexity of the industry itself. You've got Mm. the mainstream, you've got the underground and the complexities of how those two interact with one another. You've got the financial component and the um, representation component um, you've got all the genres that come. You've got the history. Yeah. It's so much. And to be honest, you know, I, I have let, you know, a lot of voices in this film because, A, I think, you know, if you start to hear it enough times from enough people, it starts to take shape. Right. But also, too, because I think that also reflects the way that the creative process of music is. Every little people from all walks of life, different facets and all the rest of it, contributing to this kind of, you know, sonic palette that we're currently experiencing in the world. Um, That part was really important. It was very, it was, I I felt at the edit process, like when you're filming, obviously you're present and you're in the space. Uh, The other challenging part is I did it over the summer festival season last year, which is, great because there's lots happening terrible in terms of locking people down you know like (laughs) (laughs) trying to get people to like be oh i i we we like to give an example we were in london we went to a a festival in belgium and the hot you know there's five of us going in the, the the channel to get to Belgium. And then we're like, oh, there's a subject that wants to speak with us in Berlin. So I jump on a train first. The crew followed behind on the next train. 
so that we could get to Berlin so that I could like sit and meet and talk with this person and like understand. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, the crew shows up and they're like, okay, cool. So, you know, are we ready to roll? And the subject was like, oh no, I'm not, you know, this doesn't, the timing doesn't work for me right now. Come back next week. (laughs) And it's like, you know, we can't financially afford just to be sitting around and waiting for, for, for somebody's uh, schedule to kind of come free. So there was a lot of that that happened, you know, and I, I had to kind of at a certain point in time, um, the people that were available and gave us access and gave us time and um, and their own personal kind of um, investment in this right. were the people who ultimately were in the film. Yeah, because you can't keep fighting and pushing and trying to force things to happen right. because that's not the story that uh, you know I wanted to wanted to tell. Like when I there was a couple of times where I was very heavily invested in having a particular subject or another. And, and then you, I realized that it was taking away from uh, just the, the energy and the time and all the rest of it. You were, I wasn't able to get the, um, you know, people, over, the media, there's a lot of interviews that can be done. And especially on the subject matter, people are burnt out by it. So you don't, I didn't want to make something that was like a mm. bunch of really fast and snappy sound bites. Right. You know what I mean? I didn't want something that was just like controversial for controversial sake. I wanted it to feel real. And to do that, you have to invest time with people. Mm-hmm. And if people aren't willing to reciprocate and invest that time or make themselves available in that sense, then it, it, I know that I, in, in essence, I'm not doing the story justice because I'm in that sense, I'm just chasing that person or that sound bite that I hope they're going to give me and that's mm. not filmmaking you know yeah. that's yeah. just that's editing <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely um one thing that I think both the documentary that you did with Disc Woman and Underplayed um explores is this idea that you know women can't necessarily make it in any prospective industry unless they have a male counterpart helping them or They've had some sort of hookup from a male figure in the industry to help them. Um, What are your thoughts on this idea? Because I'm sure as a female filmmaker, you've experienced those kind of really icky feelings at some point in your career. I'm a DJ. I've definitely had those comments thrown at me and I just hate hearing it. I hate it. It's awful because why, like, why would you, you know, discredit me on something that I've been working so hard to do. And honestly, no one's ever helped me. <laughs> and I'm sure no one's ever helped you as, as well. So, you know, what, what do you feel when you, when you hear those kind of comments? Oh, I mean, uh, that sentiment is just echoed again and again and again throughout every interview I did, whether they were, the artist was, you know, a, a big billboard chart topper versus, you know, the underground. Yeah. It's, it was over and over and over again to the point where it's, it's just kind of like unbelievable, really. Um, I couldn't get over. I also found this a hugely inspiring aspect of the creative process. So to turn a negative into a positive, the women that are in the electronic industry now making music have done everything themselves. Mm -hmm. They have 
learnt, taught themselves. They've created communities for themselves. When people wouldn't uh, give them access to play, they'd create their own club night. When a label wouldn't represent them, they'd make their own label. Like over and over again, I saw this and it was like, it, it like is frustrating, but mm. it's also super badass. Like I just look at that. And I'm like, yes, like that's <laughs> inspiring. You know what I mean? Like, why the the system right now is not reflective and set up in a way that allows you know everybody to have access to the tools or to their uh, opportunities or whatever it is but mm-hmm. i love that the, that the artists that you know are are really doing well and breaking through are all they've done everything themselves and mm-hmm. that's like that was incredibly inspiring as i said slash frustrating mm-hmm. they shouldn't be that way it shouldn't have to be that way, but it was echoed again. And, you know, I, I interviewed Mark Ronson as part of the documentary who's worked with a lot of female artists. And he even, you know, mentioned like Gaga was in the studio and and he'd be saying something like an idea or whatever is, and, and she'd be like, oh, you know, I'm thinking this and this and this and this. And he's like, whoa, 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 there's no need to yell. I'm listening to you. And she's like, yeah, that's cool. But like, the 10 other producers that have come before will, will never listen to me. And this is, right. this is Gaga. You know what I mean? And that notion, I, I think it was quite surprising to uh, Ronson to actually hear that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's just the assumption that, oh, you just create a space and, you know, I've got this really cool idea and what do you think about that? And the amount of times those ideas get shut down or it's like not um, – it's, it's diverted or subdued or, you know, changed when you weren't watching or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that is something that was just kind of common practice. And I feel like the more that obviously we talk about it and people become more conscious and they don't want to be that guy or that engineer or that producer in the room. But the other issue is as well is that we just need more women in those roles. We need more women in those engineering roles. So they're sitting in that seat. So they're creating the environment where, this community feeling like it's it's um it's genetic it's it's just the way that women are, are, are brought up to be is communal right is the a collaboration environment and it's uh to the more that we can kind of bring that out and work and, and create these spaces where they happen and it is starting to happen more and more but it's like the world economic forum says it's going to take a hundred years to close the gender gap so wow. that's not in my lifetime it's not in my <laughs> daughter's lifetime that mm. is a long time you know what i mean and uh even though things are changing it's it's far from it my own experience as a filmmaker uh yes very yeah. challenging very hard to get um opportunities um but then again, this particular opportunity, I was able to direct this film and make it. So there's an element of, as I keep saying, this constant, um, because of the hyper awareness we have around uh, equality and, and all the rest of it, I was able to get this opportunity to direct this film. Yeah. Um, so like, it's, uh, I'd, I like to think there's waves of improvement. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the water retreats as well. So um, hard to say. Yeah, yeah. And definitely, I mean, I I definitely think that the playing field is starting to uh, improve, as you said, uh, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. I was actually going to ask you about that. I'm interested that 
you incorporated some of the male perspective on this issue, uh, because I think that there is some sort of, not necessarily guilt, but people don't, men don't necessarily want to admit that these things are happening. (laughs) So to hear Mark actually express, okay, I see you, I hear you, I know about this, and it's real. um, It was really reassuring and and a a helpful aspect in the film as well. I really love that. Yeah, I mean, that was an important component to me. Um, It was also a bit of a minefield trying to find the right male voices um, Mm. because, you know, you you don't want someone speaking out and and all of a sudden finding out that there's a track record that you didn't realise. So, but but there is a very specific and um, pointed reason that I had male voices in there because, A, like any movement, what we're experiencing right now, Black Lives Matter movement, every movement, it's not about the people who are being discriminated against to solve. It's not their problem. It's, it's like screaming into it. It's like an echo chamber, like women saying over and over again, this is happening. If we're just saying it to ourselves, amongst ourselves, right. by ourselves, that's not how we change. Mm. We change by everybody right. using their voice everybody being a part, everyone being aware, everyone taking action, everyone doing a small step. And I, I, that for me was like a very important part of the film is mm-hmm. I is trying to have um, as much cross industry voice as possible. So not just obviously the artists themselves, but behind the industry, but also across all sorts of diversity, because like that then you get a real sense of the issue and and where people are at with it and also their sense of responsibility. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. a lot of the males were like, oh, uh, this is touchy. It's like it's kind of scary for them to talk about because they might say the wrong thing or whatever <laughs> right. it is. Um, but I think it's incredibly important that this is, this, this is spoken about with everybody's perspective in mind mm-hmm. um, because, that way, then you know you. When you start to think about it from a solutions point of view, you're taking into everyone's and, and you know that's what they say about diversity. It's what why diversity is so amazing because when you do take into account everybody's opinions, then you are actually more likely to be successful. You're more likely to be product, uh, you know, have higher bottom lines and, and like all the rest of it because you really are problem solving for all the possible things that could happen or people want or need or whatever it is. Um, I mean, there's lots of economic reports about the success of diversity. That's what makes (laughs) it so crazy. When you like look at festival lineups and you're like, guys, you could actually make more money if you like open up your stages to a more diverse audience. Like that for me is wild. (laughs) Yeah, that is too. Um, I was actually reading that statistic on the website where it talked about uh, that like in, in 2019, only five of the top 100 DJs were women. And then I think you reported a statistic. It was probably from 2015, and I'm sure it's changed now. But, um, you know, festival lineups weren't really seeing a lot of women either in 2015. Of course, surely that has improved. But, you know, I here's my, my take on it. I think that it really has to start from the foundation of things. It has to start with promoters and club owners saying we are going to include female DJs, artists on our lineups at the clubs. It starts with inclusion writers, you know, uh, mm-hmm. male DJs saying, hey, we want a female counterpart on the lineup to play alongside us or, you know, to play with us. It's all about creating pipelines. 
I think. Um, so from a promoter festival point of view, you know that you're going to sell those big tickets. You, you get your, you go do your very basic programming and get those top names that you're going to, you know, sell tickets with. But I remember one of the voices in the film, she talked about this, this notion that people don't come to a festival to, you know, just see what they expect. They come to be inspired. They come to be surprised. Like the amount of times I've been to a gig and you actually were like, oh, the person who's on just beforehand, whoa, I never heard about them before. And then you have this piece of currency of like, you've discovered them, you've found them, you've entered them, you follow them. That is a pipeline. That is what the beauty and magic of music is all about, is that discovery process. Mm. That first time you hear something. Yeah, it's great to have the, you know, to be able to sing along to the club banger. Great. That's a cool feeling too. But there are a lot of other emotions attached to the music making process and the music experiencing process. Mm -hmm. So that pipeline and, you know, yeah, program a festival, whatever. But you, your festival could look exactly the same as the one two in two weeks' time right. in two towns over. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, like there's just a lot of same-sameness that's happening right now, which mm. I think makes it feel, um, for electronic music in particular, where it's such a progressive, like you, you, you literally, you know, the manifestation of it's two different turntables. You know what I mean? Like that, the infinite combination of music that can be created just through that process is so exciting yeah, and so spectrum kind of blowing. Like, let's get back to that mentality. Like <laughs> thinking about ways that we can bring old and new, you know, just discovered with, you know, someone who's like been established for a long time. Like that is where music becomes really fascinating. You know what I mean? And mm. so that's the pipeline. I think the pipeline as well, the women are doing an incredible job in the education process, creating all these circles of, um, and this is a, seems to be a fairly new phenomena, but, you know, producer girls, intercessions, she said, so there's a lot of incredible um, training grounds for women now where they can come in and like learn techniques for the first time and mm. download the software, share it. Like, I think it was uh, Diplo who said it in an interview where he's like, yeah, I guess you know, when I was coming up, it would just be me and my bros just swapping software. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's a kind of intimidating for a girl to come into that vibe. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And more importantly, there's maybe somewhat of a pressure to um, be good. And I think Nightwave in, in the film talked about a lot in, in the producer girls workshop. She's like, yeah, come in, make mistakes, fuck around. Like you want to do that in that safe environment so that right. when you're on the club night and someone's like, you know, everyone's watching you, you, you know, you've got your shit together. Mm -hmm. And I think also too, there's a lot of elements of all these behind the scenes conversations of like, okay, you know, the guy on the, the, the mixing board's probably going to think you're the girlfriend of someone, blah, 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 be professional, do this, take this, you know what I mean? Just systems that you can put into place to protect yourself mm. and your, image your identity that you're kind of putting out there so that you can start to be taken seriously because obviously that's a real issue yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah it's like, oh I'm uh, I am who I am and I'm the music that I'm playing and everything like that that unfortunately is that not enough for some uh, people to be like oh what respect you know what I mean like yeah. <laughs> anyway 
Yeah, this is very true. Um, I was reading with your about your uh, interview with Variety, how, you know, they, the author had asked you um, if pay disparity was something that was addressed in the film. But it seems like some people were a little bit shy about, you know, being on camera talking about that. And it's a sensitive issue. It is. Yeah, um, I, as I said, kind of in the beginning with the film, this isn't, I saw this as not, I'm not an expert in electronic music. Yeah. I'm not, um, this is something that I'm looking at from a documentary point of view. And my job is to create the space for these stories to be told. So the most important thing that I could do was like listen to what the artists had to say and follow their lead in regards mm -hmm. to what is most important to them in regards to this issue. No denying that pay is a huge issue. Um, you know, the disc woman model is incredibly powerful because they obviously, their, their biggest philosophy is just making sure the business side of things. Yeah, I'm doing work right now. Right. This, I have to prepare, I have to buy records, I have to put on the, you know, the social media, the time it takes, all the rest of it. That time is money. All of it is money. And that professional mode or like, you know, women quite often are like, oh, this is a great opportunity. I'll just do it for free a couple of times. Unfortunately, we'll just get taken advantage of when that stuff mm. happens. So it is a huge, huge issue. And in the film itself, we even looked at, you know, the Forbes report where the highest paid DJs throughout Forbes's kind of recording history have all been male, mm. even though we have female voices coming up, but there's never been a female even on the highest paid DJ list. Wow. So there's not to say that it's not talked about in the film. It's talked about in a way that the artist felt comfortable and the financial issues are very different for an artist coming up in the underground, hmm. you know, just trying to like pay rent versus somebody who's, you know, obviously paying, playing main stages and, and all the rest of it. And not to say the person playing main stages can't be, you know, um, you know, up and arms about the way they're paid, but they're paid for, because the reality is, is they, you know, quite often they're not paid the same amount or, or whatever it is. That's so pay is an issue. Pay is an issue that we talk about in the film, but it's one that it, like any of the things, um, I, I'm not going to insert myself into that discussion because I'm not an expert in authority and that's right. not my position to do that. So I let a lot of the ways through any narrative beat that I felt was I was hearing over and over again, I placed emphasis on mm -hmm. um, not necessarily creating a whole section on pay because I think the issues in terms of pay are very distinct to each individual mm. and the that they have. Right. Um, particularly as it pertains, you know, you must have this conversation all the time, that constant tension between the mainstream and the underground. Yeah. And it's probably the same with independent filmmaking and, you know, working with Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And I've been, I've been, yeah, and I've been noticing that that tension sometimes can come in between the, the female circle of producers and, and DJs as well, which has been a tough to, thing to see. Um, I know that, yeah. Uh, I, it was, yeah, I was reading in uh, the Variety article too, Toki Monster had mentioned, you know, it, it doesn't really add to that inclusion value when you have the same woman playing on the lineup over and over again, you know, you've got to have that representation all across the board, you know? Um, so that can be, yeah, extremely frustrating as well. 
oh yeah, you look at that with festival lineups. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, that then creates burnout for that. If there's just the one token female who's being, you know, worked her way up, worked her ass off, deserves to be there, but she's not going to be able to sustain her career if she's playing two shows in one night in a different city and flying around. Like that's just, yeah. that's, you know what I mean? There's not one female who should represent all of us. Mm. Um, and nor should, nor is there one male, you know what I mean? It's, it goes both ways. And I think, I think what Toki was talking about a lot in the film was just this notion of um, the, the token female. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> chippy nonstop. Actually, she was another one. She was talking about just like, Oh, got the one female on the lineup. Job's <laughs> done. Like, <laughs> like oh crazy, and you know, I mean, and then it gets even worse as you start to get like more intersect and intersectional than that because then you feel like you're ticking boxes, and that's just like that feels horrific, yeah. you know what I mean? There's a much more organic way of, of doing things, and it all starts with these pipelines and just that being common practice of like creating these channels, so then it's like you're not trying to find the the diamond in the rough if you know what I mean like they're there everyone's there you just have to look a little bit harder yeah it's very true um well we've talked about so much this is awesome um I wanted to kind of end off with this I mean what is one thing that you really took away from the film making it as you know something that could be a solution to not necessarily solving all of these problems right because there's just a lot of stuff that you have to unpack and you know de dewire into in order to really find a, a, a solution that fits everyone um but what's one thing that you took away from the film that you said okay maybe this is something that could create some change for other producers or, or female djs that are looking to crack into the industry and again not only in music but in film as well because um the, i hear that the uh film was had an all-female cast which i think is so cool yeah, oh, the crew. Yeah, yeah. Uh, predominantly female crew. Yeah, I mean, um, there, I, I made a, I mean, I can't be doing a film. Uh, uh, the film industry itself has its own series of statistics that the Annenberg Institute mm-hmm. uh, kind of offered up a, a year or two ago. But, you know, female directors make up 4% of, you know, 1,200 films that were tested. Wow. So we have a very similar challenge. The other part is exactly the same issues that the electronic music industry have, which is like women aren't seen to be technical. Women aren't seen to be competent, even though there's no genetic connection to that necessarily. It's socialization. It's all of these sorts of things. So I made a very conscious decision not just to have you know, female, um, you know, makeup artists or a stylist <laughs> and not, not the typical roles that women tend to fill within the film industry. But my, my cinematographer, uh, Zoe, carried this insanely heavy camera the, and for four months on her shoulders. And she's just, she's incredibly technical, incredibly skilled at what she does. Um, and giving her an opportunity for, for that to shine, you know, for that, for her to be able to do what she does best. Same with editing. There's not many female editors that get these kind of resp- uh, opportunities and all the rest of it. So just as I was given an opportunity to make this film, I saw a very, very important role to make sure that wherever I could, that I could fill the spaces, not just for a token or because it would look good from a PR perspective, but because they're good, because mm-hmm. they're good at what they do. And they might not have had this opportunity before in order to be like bankable, but no one let me 
down on this project because it was everyone came and it was such heart and love and mm. wanting to do this because it was an important story. And when you create that kind of environment, it's not people aren't showing up for a nine to five job. Right. They're showing up because they want to be there. And I think that changes the whole kind of filmmaking process. And to go back to your, your original question, you know, one of the things that kept being said over and over again is if you can't see it, you can't be it. That notion of visibility um, you know, seeing uh, there was Alice in Wonderland hired a, a sound engineer for her live shows and and she's back there and, sh and she's like doing that role and she's just having that presence. Normally, you know, behind the scenes has typically is quite a, like a masculine vibe yeah. and she's back there and she's like, I've got your levels. I know that you're nervous about singing that song. Why don't we try and figure this out or do that? That was so cool to see. You know what I mean? Because she's there and she's, bringing a presence and she's actually in a way innovating the space because it's now creating this dialogue between the artist and behind the scenes to like dial it into how someone wants it personally. And I hadn't seen that before mm. uh, with a crew. And there was a lot of other instances with even just the, the artist that Alison had and like brought on stage with her was just people, they, the, the girls weren't there because again, that they were like, Oh, it's a cool PRable thing to do. They were there because they were really good at what they do. Right. And she didn't make them dress up in like tight dresses and short skirts and put on makeup. She was like, Oh yeah, you wear a hoodie, baggy pants, just feel comfortable. <laughs> like, I want you to up. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that changes the tone. And it's like all of a sudden it just becomes again, as I said, this thing that's organic and feels real and it comes from a place of just like, this is normal. You know, like if you look around the world, you know, male 50% female or, or something close to that. Like, let's just reflect what the world looks like around us and reflect it in terms of the way that we express ourselves. So whether that's filmmaking, whether that's music, we want to be able to get to that point where we're able to hear things from different points of view. And I mean, we're in this position now where the world's more divided than ever. Mm. You know, the roots of electronic music, as you know, are just like founded on peace love and inclusion it's like you know black brown hispanic lgbt all these communities coming together to like free themselves that's yeah. electronic music at its like heart and soul mm -hmm. like how do we get back there more you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah seriously so beautiful to me you know like uh, it's just those roots and what that vibe and that initial kind of pioneering spirit kind of put out there in the world like that's that's where we need to go back to that's where we need to to to, to feel more of in in every creative space and filmmaking and music and I mean in politics you know what yeah. I mean like seriously beautiful well thank you so much for joining me for the show this has been amazing if people want to watch underplayed uh where can they go to buy tickets um, so I think the Toronto International Film Festival um, is running from September 10th to the 19th. There is a, a live component if you're in Toronto where there'll be a drive-in screening because uh, Canadians seem to have their shit together with COVID a little bit more than we do. Um, and then there's also um, a digital screening room. And I'm not quite sure how that works, but I think it's more just, you know, same sort of philosophy where you can buy tickets and you log in and all the rest of it. Um, and then, you know, ultimately after that, um, who knows in this world, 
if I had a crystal ball, I would like to say an ideal scenario is that it will go online at some point in the new year. Um, that would be a dream scenario and hopefully will. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much. This is so nice. Oh, thank you so much for taking time. This has been, I needed oh, to have this conversation for the longest. <laughs> I was always thinking about these things, but didn't know how to quite articulate it. So you literally just took everything out of my mouth that I wanted to say and put it in a beautiful film. So. <laughs> oh, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just nice to have these conversations because that's another part for me is that filmmaking can be quite passive. Mm. Um, the last thing I want is the, the film to end and everyone be like, oh, seems like things are good. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want it to be, I want people to have these conversations. Uh, you know, we talk about solutions in the film, uh, uh, you know, that is complex and all the rest of it, but like ways that we can help support all these kinds of things. So um, mm. This this alone is a big part of why I make films is to have conversations like this. So thank you so much for your interest and for yeah, for excellent questions and a great discussion. I really oh, appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs>